And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. Joining me on the phone line today is Dr. John Vance. And uh, I like to abbreviate it JLV. So JLV, it's great to have you with us today. <laughs> That's the way I sign my uh, letters and uh, emails. <laughs> glad is. to be with you and, and glad to be with the, with the listeners. You're one of the few pastors in my life that's had a profound effect upon me, and we're very, very appreciative of you. Um, this is a busy time of year, Pastor Vance. Um, we've just come through Thanksgiving, and with all the fixins and people coming over, and of course some people are lonely because they've lost a loved one in their family. But um, it's it's nevertheless a busy time of year, and then if you happen to go into the stores, um, you get inundated with all this Christmas stuff so fast, so quickly, and it's been around now for weeks already, um, because it's a, it's a huge money-making opportunity for the stores. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the church calendar today. Certainly, this these seasons are important to Christians it's not Advent yet, but what is it, uh, let's say, tomorrow on the church calendar? What is that exactly? It, it's the last Sunday of the church calendar. Remember that uh, we have a secular calendar, of course, that we, we go by, and every all businesses around the world almost goes by this calendar. And the secular calendar, though, is based on the Christian calendar, and yeah. the Christian calendar doesn't start on New Year's as the first uh, Sunday of the year, but the first Sunday of Advent really is the beginning of the Christian New uh, Year. Yeah. The, the last Sunday on the church calendar, which will be tomorrow, is entitled Christ the King. And it is uh, a reminder that he reigns over all time and space. That is a beautiful theme. I just love that theme. I think of Christ reigning... And um, um, some people don't really like the idea, I suppose, that he reigns because it's independent of them. He reigns, and that's just a that's a that's a that's a fact, isn't it? It's a fact from the Christian standpoint. That is part of the gospel. When he was crucified, he rose from the dead, but he ascended on high and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he reigns. He reigns with the Father, the triune God does, but in Christ. And that is the Christian hope, that not only does he reign, but one day he will come again. That's called Advent. And so we have Christ the King as the last Sunday, and Advent as the coming of Christ. So <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful juxtaposition. Yeah. I remember when um, you would be preaching, quite often you would refer to the fact that Christ was reconciling the world to himself. That goes along with his kingship, doesn't it? That is his work. Uh, he subdues his enemies, and he releases the captive. In fact, when uh, he, he came, uh, many verses there have uh, allude to the fact that he will release the captive. And, and we live in a world of darkness and and uh, demonic power, and Christ the King ensures that we will not be overwhelmed or swamped because he is present, and where uh, the Lord is present, there is freedom and release. 
and saving power. So that is our hope, that Christ not only reigns, but he is with us as well, and we live under his reign and rule. Yeah. I need to be reminded that myself. It's an important theme. I love it. And yet, um, um, uh, in my own experience, sometimes I don't feel that he's king. And I know in my head, of course, but he really is king, and he... um, he can help me through this time of year. For me, this is a very difficult time of year because there's so many demands and high expectations, and I feel like I just can't possibly get all the work done, and yet Christ is king. And so that that's a very great encouragement to me. Christ holds three offices. Uh, the Reformers brought this out very clearly, particularly uh, John Calvin when he talked about Christ being prophet, that is, he speaks the word of God and is the word of God. He is priest. He offers himself for our salvation. And he is king. He rules over all and has the supremacy, as it says in Colossians. So that is an important matter. And sometimes we focus as Christians on uh, Christ's word as prophet, and surely we must, because he is the very word of God, and we focus on his, his death, burial, and resurrection, but we forget that he presently rules over all, and through him all things are held together. That, that Colossians passage is an amazing passage when it talks about the supremacy of Christ as king. And so, yes, it's important to remember that, particularly in the hustle and bustle of life, uh, we forget that there is one who reigns that uh, supreme over all things. Yeah, amen. Well, today we're talking with Pastor John Vance, and uh, he's a board member here at Redeemer. And we don't get to talk that often, but we have various interviews throughout the year, and this is one of them. Uh, It's kind of funny, um, when I called to speak with you, Pastor Vance, I was thinking that the following Sunday was Advent, and I had my calendar wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and uh, we finally realized, oh, no, no, wait a minute, that's that's uh, that's the next week out. And so I'm glad that we uh, can talk about Christ the King. Um, I love to see people come to faith in Christ and for people then to realize that, oh, <laughs> he's my Lord, and therefore I'm going to live in such a way that I glorify him doesn't mean I'm sinlessly perfect. I'm not. I'm going to make many mistakes and sin, and I'm going to have to ask the Lord's forgiveness many times. But he's king. That has a, I think, that has a ripple effect out into society itself, affecting um, our art, our education, um, government. Um, that's a sensitive one today. People are all upset. You know, oh, we don't want Christians affecting government. But you can Christian see Christian nationalism is a, is a is a hoax. Yeah, yeah, and and people get upset and for nothing because Jesus is King, and when He changes your heart, you start living in such a way that you glorify Him and and you love your neighbor in a way that you couldn't before. That's the kind of thing we need in society. It is indeed. Uh, there is a, a strong pushback on the Christian influence in society, and 
many of, of uh, our secular leaders are very antagonistic toward Christianity in particular because it's still the dominant force in Western civilization and in American life as far as forming values and so forth. We have millions and millions of, of Christians around the world just quietly living out their faith and yeah. their Christian life and going about their business and uh, with, with great hope that uh, surely as our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, he will return someday for us and that he now reigns. That is a, that is a wonderful, wonderful, encouraging message. Uh, but what, what I, I, I alluded, uh, alluded to this uh, Christian nationalism, uh, there are many lies and hoaxes in our day, and one of the, the lies or hoaxes is that Christians are trying to take over the government. <laughs> uh, they are trying to rule. No, we know that Christ rules uh, supremely. Uh, we don't even have to help him. <laughs> Could we ever help God? Uh, uh, Christ reigns and rules, and he will accomplish his purpose and will, and that is a great comfort. In fact, I was reading the other day one of my favorite verses. It's in Deuteronomy. Uh, it's it's. Uh, let me let me just turn to it. It uh, and just read the. It's a very short, very short here, and uh, it says very simply: the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And we are assured that since Christ reigns, that underneath us are the everlasting arms. Amen. And I can't think of anything more that's more hopeful, encouraging. And we don't have to go about and threaten politically any system or this or that. You know, our God will accomplish his purposes well through his son, Jesus Christ, for he surely reigns. Yeah. And, and uh, that, that is an important to remember. And it's important to remember Christians when they get so wrapped up in politics. Now, I... You can't help from being wrapped up in politics today if you have a head and a heart, <laughs> uh, because it impinges upon all of us and our quality of life for us in this world and our children. But we should never lose sight of the fact that the Lord reigns, and to be patient and calm and peaceful in all that we pursue and do in this world. Amen. Before earlier, you mentioned that passage in Colossians. I just want to read a few verses. Um, I have it up here. Uh, it starts off with Colossians one eleven. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light he has rescued us from the power of darkness and mm. transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, 
and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. And praise God for that portion of Scripture. There there probably isn't a more magnificent uh, passage in the Bible that points to the role and place that Jesus has Mm. as king, and uh, that he might have the supremacy in all things. And, of course, that passage there also reminds us that in a real sense, he has already conquered uh, through the power of his blood. Yeah. Uh, through his cross, uh, and you see that in the book of Revelation as you go through, that the Lamb is victorious through his blood, through his cross, mm. and that he reigns now supremely. And uh, I, I know there is a, uh, many people out there. This, this We live in a tough time, uh, yes. Dan. Uh, things are not well domestically. Uh, people are having a hard time. I was talking to a fellow the other day uh, in the grocery store, I was actually it was Lowe's. I was asking for something, and we got to talking, and they didn't have it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, "Well, you're." you're uh, I said, "You know, uh, we th- got on prices." And I said, "You know, I feel sorry. You probably have a wife and children." He looked that age. I said, "I have grandchildren," but I said, "When you go into the store, grocery store, it's a tough time." And he said, "It sure is." Yeah. He says, "We don't know. We have to make choices every time we go now whether we can." Uh, buy what we want and make substitutes. He says it's very hard. And and it's hard economically on a lot of people. Uh, and, and the powers that be don't seem, that is in Washington and our state governments, don't seem to understand that. No. There are a lot of people struggling. And I just read the other day that they're overwhelmed. Many people financially, they've, they've uh, maxed out their cards and they're drawing on their savings, you know, retirement accounts, if they can get to it. So uh, it's tough. And then we've got what's going on in the world, in the Middle East and in Ukraine, uh, in Israel. And most of us uh, who are Christians will pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But this is the world we live in. We, in one sense, uh, must remember that uh, God has not abandoned us and that Christ is on the throne. Mm, And so that is great encouragement. And I would encourage people to go back and just read again for themselves that passage you just read. Yeah. And again, that was from Colossians 1, 11 through 20. And um, we have a future hope, and it's a blessed hope. And yet God is also doing something right now in history, according to this portion, where it says he was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. So there's something profound about God's reconciling power even right now in history, it it affects positive godly change. It seems. Well, I I count on that. You know, as a, as a minister of the gospel, I pastored for a good many years. And when I tell people how long I was in one church, they can't believe it. But I reminded <laughs> them that it wasn't just one church. I had five or six different congregations over the years. Yeah, and yeah. So there were different people. It might have been a little core, but it was an entirely different congregation about every 10 years. So anyway, um, uh, the passage in Romans that, uh, that I often think of is that where sin abound, there does much more grace abound. How is that possible? That's in the King James, by the way, and I love that translation. Where sin abound, there does much more grace abound. Mm. And it is because that the one 
who sits at the right hand of the Father reigns, and his grace is working in this world, changing lives, encouraging people, lifting up the downcast, releasing the captive, and that's the program that we have as Christians is, is to proclaim and preach the gospel, what Redeemer Broadcasting is dedicated to. <laughs> and it's absolutely necessary in this world to have a voice like Redeemer. Yeah, well, praise the Lord. Sometimes I think back about the early days and how that right from the very start you were an integral part of this ministry, and we appreciate you so very much and thank you for it. Um, the uh, preaching of the Word, it's almost uh, mysterious as I think about it. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a preacher, but um, I, I think it's mysterious in the sense that the Holy Spirit of God takes his word and he blesses the word preached to another person's heart and something happens there that I can't even explain. Have have you thought about that? Oh, I thought about a great uh, <laughs> great uh, deal of the time throughout my pastoral ministry because you wonder sometimes, is there anything going on here when I'm preaching? <laughs> and it's a charismatic exercise, I came to the conclusion. Yes, it and is. And what I mean by charismatic exercise, the Holy Spirit energizes the reading and preaching of His Word, but He also is on the other end opening and wooing the heart of of those who uh, need Christ and those who mm-hmm. need to be built mm-hmm. up in Christ. It's a charismatic event between the, the preacher and the hearer, and there is something divine going on in that simple and, quote, lonely message that uh, is important to remember. And uh, what, what is it in the book of Isaiah where he says, My word will not return void unto Amen. me. Amen. It will accomplish the purpose whereunto I have sent it. And so that's the encouragement, I think, for uh, the preacher. And it's easy to get discouraged in the ministry uh, at times. And I hope that for any uh, ministers and priests or anyone else out there who's listening to this, uh, will will be encouraged to keep preaching the Word of God. Yeah, amen. I think sometimes we might be in, inclined or tempted even to give our own opinion as if, you know, hey, I've been through that. Let me share that. And then um, realize, oops, I really needed to share the Word of God. Has that ever been a temptation as you've preached? Oh, my land. I, I, <laughs> I thought a lot of, you know, you're hitting all my buttons. I thought a lot about this uh, in life. Uh, uh, I realized very early on that uh, while I had some training in counseling and psychology, I spent a year reading Freud and things like that. I also uh, got into uh, some political arenas uh, early on. But I came to the conclusion very early that, number one, I was not a psychologist. I was not a politician. (laughs) uh, I was not a sociologist. I was not uh, this or that. I was not a medical doctor. I was called to do one thing, uh, to preach the Scriptures, because all the self-help and all of that kind of approach to the ministry is in a real sense, it undermines uh, people in the end. Uh, you have to preach the whole counsel of God and believe that God will accomplish his purpose. So, yes, uh, uh, no book reviews, uh, uh, no, uh, and I told funny stories and things like that, but what really is the saving message is not some political message or some a psychological message or 
a, a message like that. The, the saving message is the message of redemption in Jesus Christ. Mm. And and in the early church, uh, what included you in the, quote, membership of the church was that you could say in the Spirit, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And you cannot say that without understanding the gospel. Yeah. And for some people, it means their life is put on the line, and they may be killed if they make such a profession. Well, I, I spend time praying uh, in, in, very often for the persecuted church. Amen. And I just read yesterday a list of the the, the worst countries for persecution. Uh, Nigeria has replaced North Korea as the worst persecutor of Christians. More Christians are dying in Nigeria at the hands of the Islamists yeah. uh, and the terrorists and anywhere else. They burn their churches, their medical places, centers. Uh, their families are burned out. It is a very tough place. And these people are standing firm, and they're standing firm with death at the end. The same is taking place in many parts of the Middle East, the Sudan uh, in, in persecution has arisen mightily in India for some reason in the last 20 years. And, of course, we know it's taking place in China. And uh, there's even pressure here in this country and in, in Europe uh, to tone down the message of the gospel, even in our churches. Yes. Yeah, it's a very, very powerful point. Um, you're, you've, you've studied... Um, you know, this would make an interesting, quick little discussion here, um, kind of a detour maybe, but um, we all know that there was a terrible Hamas attack against uh, Israelis, and just things you can't even name hardly. They were so terrible and awful. Um, you've studied Islam. Uh, you, you've taught world religions and would you summarize for us, or is that too dangerous a thing to do over the air? But would you summarize what does Islam well, teach? Yeah, I. Uh, it's a complicated thing. There are many wonderful Muslims. Uh, I had many Muslims in my classes through the years. I and I, I, I talked uh, the, their religion to them. Uh, a lot of them were diplomat children that came up to the city after after nine eleven, and they went to went to college in the Mid-Hudson Valley. So anyway, I had him in my class, and and I, uh, many of them very gracious. They even got me a gift one time <laughs> at the end of the year, appreciation, uh, uh, so forth. So I have, I have uh, uh, appreciation for uh, Muslims as such. But the religion, I don't think people have read the Quran. I've read it uh, a number of times, well, twice, I would say, through... Uh, the, the main parts many times. Uh, the more devout you are, the more danger it is that you will get caught up in some of the very, very strong language mm -hmm. uh, in the Quran to, to not befriend Christians and Jews um, and to uh, spread Islam through conquest and violence. That is a tenet uh, that you will find in the Quran. It's also uh, confirmed in the, what is called the Hadith later on. The Hadith are almost as important as the Quran, uh, the uh, Hadith literature. So uh, so I would say that while we have many in this country that are wonderful citizens and so forth and live uh, fine, the truth is if you take the documents, the, the Quran and the Hadith, uh, the way it was 
in their time and place, and you apply it to the day, you can understand why there is an ISIS and where there's a Hamas and where there is a Hezbollah, because these people do believe uh, that they must conquer in the name of Allah. They mean to press Israel out of that country because they once had it in any in any land that that uh, Islam once possessed. It's theirs forever. Ah, uh, right. And they must kick Israel out. Now uh, we're out of time. Um, use the last minute remaining, um, telling us about the contrast with Christianity and the Lord Jesus. One of the great studies anyone can do for themselves if they want to uh, look at these questions is to go into the New Testament and read every word that Jesus is recorded as having spoken, what he spoke and what he said and what he taught. And then I would challenge you to go to the Quran and read every word that we have, uh, particularly in chat, uh, Surah, S-U-R-A, 9, and some others, the latest uh, parts of the Quran, which are applicable for today, and read those and contrast those two messages. Hmm. Uh, I, I would challenge anyone out there that have questions like that. Uh, look at the two, the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, who reigns supreme, we believe. And by the way, has a place in Islam, but not as, any more than a prophet, not even as great as, as uh, Muhammad. Mm-hmm. But I would challenge people to do that on Christ the King Sunday. <laughs> That's very helpful. Our guest today has been our dear friend, Dr. John Vance. Pastor Vance, sometimes referred to as JLV. And uh, Pastor Vance, we look forward to talking to you in the future more about Advent, and we hope that you have a good Lord's Day tomorrow, which is Christ the King Sunday. And for Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Our guest has been Dr. John Vance. May our Lord richly bless you today as you serve Him. Oh God of my